I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Mr. Brett Rutherford. Hello there. And Miss Vanessa Ferguson. Well, hello. And we have such a special guest on with us today. And so we're going to really just dive right into this. You know him from being the host of Diz Unplugged and just really one of those people that is so actively involved in the Disney content creator space. We are super excited to uh, have Pete Werner on with us today. How are you, Pete? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. And I got to say right up front that I know you don't do a lot of these types of interviews and other podcast episodes. And so we are really grateful that you're here with us today. It is my pleasure. You're right. I don't normally do a lot of them, but I've been questioning why. And uh, your invitation came in and I'm like, you know what? This is a great place to to go and, and, and have a chat. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we, uh, you enjoy it as much as we will. I should also mention you're the co-owner of Dreams Unlimited Travel. You also uh, co-own Moving to Orlando amongst several other entities as well that you do. I honestly don't know how you even fit us in. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. So let's keep going. Okay. Yeah. All so. right. Well, with that, I think, Brett, you had our first question that you wanted to ask Pete. Yeah, Pete, would you like to share with us how you became a Disney Park fan? Oh, well, from the time I was younger, I won't say little, but younger, I had always wanted to go to Disney World. I had a a good friend growing up whose family went to Disney World every summer. Now, this is back in the early 70s, so we're talking about the, the, the early days of Walt Disney World. And he would come back and he would share these these stories with me and I would beg my parents to please take me to Disney world. And, uh, they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. And so I promised myself when I was old enough, I would, I would, I I would go to Disney world Mm. and, uh, that I take my parents and I take my parents to Disney world. I want to say I was about, 25 or 26, just early in recovery from alcohol, alcoholism and drug addiction. And I had an opportunity to go to Orlando on business. I lived in New Jersey at the time and I had an opportunity to go to Orlando on business. And I had one day uh, to myself and I knew I wanted to spend it uh, at Disney world. I wanted to go see it and, Epcot was my first park, Spaceship Earth, my first attraction. And that was it. I was in love. Um, And I remember walking around Epcot, you know, everything's larger than life and clean and everyone's friendly and happy. And there are no worries and no troubles. And I walked around thinking, this is what I did drugs to feel like. (laughs) You know, I did drugs to feel like everything was happy and fun and good and clean in that moment that with that realization, my addiction kind of shifted over to Disney. Sure. And so that trip led to another trip the year after led to two trips the year after that three trips the year after that. And then, you know, it kind of got to that place where I think a lot of us get to, which is we're in two modes we're either in Disney world or planning to go. Uh, exactly, there's yes. really no yeah. other, there's really no other, uh, other mode. Yep. And then <laughs> of course in, you know, 1998, I moved down. I, well, I started the Diz in 1997. It'll be 25 years, January or June 1st. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. I've been doing this. Yeah. And uh, we moved down here in, I started the Diz June 1st of, 97 we moved down here in january or in april of 98 best thing i ever did was move to orlando and that is what gave me the idea to create a real estate business for disney fans who want to move to orlando to be closer to the parks i've had that i I had that idea back in 2001 and it took me until two years ago to kind of make it happen Mm mm-hmm 
And I know that's a burgeoning group that you have as well. You're putting out a lot of videos and you're doing so much content to help people decide maybe they want to move closer to the magic as well. But I am really interested in how you went about creating everything that we enjoy as Disney fans that you're putting out there. So Vanessa, I know you had a particular question about that too. (laughs) I was just kind of wondering if you could talk us through, I know you're such a big fan of the parks, but, but kind of maybe talk us through that process of creating the Diz and, and really starting this social media empire that we, we all know and love and, and look to for, for insight on, on how we should um, experience our time in Disney. Well, starting the Diz was an accident, a happy accident to be sure, but it was an accident. I was working for UPS at the time. And I was dabbling around, you know, I've always been a, a tech nerd and always with computers. And uh, I was working in the IT division of UPS and I was dabbling around with like websites. But I mean, like, I think back to the sites I was designing back then and oh, oh makes me shudder. <laughs> um, I had no real experience doing it, but I a manager happened to overhear me talking about it and he had wanted to build an internal website, an intranet uh, for our tech support team, which was like in three States and a couple thousand people. And he decided that I had the experience necessary to do this. Now at that point, I thought UPS was going to be my job until I retired. And you don't say no at UPS. So even though I was scared half out of my mind that I was going to fail, a friend of mine suggested build a website for yourself that you can like kind of practice on. And then so you're not quite so unpolished when you go in. Because I had about three months from the time I found out I was getting this position to the time that I had to start working it. And that was the time frame that I started building the Diz. Um, I figured, you know, I love Disney. So let me build a website about Disney and just try to make it a virtual version of the guidebooks that, you know, I used to, I, I, I referred to the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World, Bob Selinger's book, as, as, as the Bible. So I wanted to make a web version of that, basically. And so that's kind of how the Diz started. And then it just kind of evolved from there. Because I'll start doing, I'll do something, I'll get to a certain point, and I get bored. And it's like, okay, what's next? You know, it's been 25 years of, of what's next. And I every so often, I'll stop and look and see what we've created and be like, wow, wow, you right. need some I other mean- hobbies. Is that sort of how the the podcast came to be too? Because you are on, you know, you have done a weekly show for what is it now? Is it about fifteen years or so? 15, I mean, it's. Um, I want to say we're coming up on sixteen. Wow, I mean um, that's just in- incredible because there weren't that many, and you know now there's millions of podcasts, but Diz Unplugged was, I mean, one of the first, especially in this space, particularly. We were, we were early. We weren't the only one by any means uh, at that point. I was getting pressured by my team to start a podcast. And I said, you know, until somebody can come up with a format that doesn't make me want to throw up my lunch, then I'm not doing it. And we kind of stumbled into the roundtable format you know, we're very editorial in our our opinions, especially me. I tell it the way my my I, I say this to Disney all the time because I have to work with them on the travel agency side. My first loyalty is to my audience, not to Disney. Telling the truth about what I think, what I see, and sometimes I do that with uh, a little flair. <laughs> and throw a little spin on it, which has gotten me in trouble. But, you know, that that's what when we started the podcast, that's what I wanted it to be. Yeah, It was a group of friends sitting around talking about Disney the way we would talk about Disney if there weren't microphones. I've, I've instilled that sense in my team that these people deserve nothing less than your unfiltered honesty. They're spending a lot of money to come here and they're trusting you with their time. 
to listen to you, make sure you're giving them the truth. And that has worked, you know, and people are like, oh, how can you trash Disney and, and then sell the product on the other side? I don't know what to tell you other than the truth sells. Mm-hmm. And people do business with people they trust. Well, it's not so much trashing as being honest you know, and honesty. And well, sometimes being honest that. is trashing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that too, yes. <laughs> Not that, Disney, not that Disney fans have strong opinions about anything. <laughs> no, 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 we're a very tame group. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> well, we've been a weekly podcast for about two years, and sometimes even that schedule is tough. When I think of the amount of content that the Diz creates in social media, in news programs, and, and all of your other ventures, it makes my head spin. So how do you do it? Well, first of all, and I don't say this as a cliche by any means. I have the most amazing team of people mm-hmm. around me. I don't exactly know how that happened. I mean, I know I handpicked all of them. Well, most of them. And, you know, and it's easy to say, look at the jobs that we have. Oh, you get to go to the theme parks and, um, you know, you get to play all day and you do that for a living. They have no idea. Most people have absolutely no concept how much work is involved. And, you know, I'll give you Craig Williams, my producer, my executive producer, is, you know, you think I'm busy with, you know, all my ventures. He makes me look like a slacker. <laughs> and you, you have the right people around you. Hey. And, so. <laughs> and that, that, that kind of team, that kind of team allows us to create the content that we create. And my biggest challenge is because, like I said before, my head always goes to what's next. My biggest challenge is slowing down and not killing these guys Mm. because I could sit here and pump out five more shows right now that I want to do. But, you know, I've got to take a look and be like, "Mm yeah, Either hire somebody else, hire another person, which my business partner is. See, I'm like the president and he's like Congress. And I'm going to go to him for money. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, and so, but, you know, really and truly, it is my team. My team makes me look really good. And they work so incredibly hard. And I try and make sure I give them a good job. That's great. You know, one of the things that I love about the Diz in general is the community that you have helped to build and you also give back as well. And I'm equal parts just grateful and envious of the way that you're able to raise money for Give Kids the World, for example. And I really wanted to tell, make sure our audience knows about your Power of 10 challenge that you issued to your audience. So maybe we can get involved as well um, and make sure that they can tell 10 of their friends and all of that. I want you to maybe explain your goal and what you're trying to do to raise money for Give Kids the World. Well, the goal when we started was to raise a million dollars. And I set that number because I thought it was virtually unachievable and would take us, you know, wow. you know, years and years and years and years to raise that much money. And uh, we ended up raising that. We ended up crossing that threshold in 2020. Wow. Then again, what's next? Um, I'd had the idea for Power of 10, which is basically looking for 10,000 people willing to ask 10 friends to donate $10. And that gets me to a million dollars. Honestly, you know, yes, in, 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 in fact, I do want to find 10,000 people that will ask 10 friends to donate $10. But it's also uh, a a method of just getting people focused on and learning about give kids the world. Um, One of the things that Pam Landworth, the executive director of give kids the world said to me when we first met was that, you know, money is always a challenge. Money is always a challenge, but awareness is also a big problem for us. We can't help people if they don't know we're here. Mm. And so that was one of the reasons that 
I'm like, okay, let's do as much as we can to basically shine a light on that organization and let people know when I tell you, it's not just the work that they do is so good because it is. When you meet these people, when you see people who are so selfless, so giving, so dedicated to the mission, it makes you, well, first of all, it makes you feel like a much worse human being. Um, (laughs) But um, it makes you want to be better. It makes you want to be better and it makes you want to be a part of that. And really what I've tried to do is just be a conduit through whatever resources I have to amplify that and get that message out there. And the number of people that end up doing what's called uh, volunteerism, where they come down here on vacation and they volunteer for a day at the village you know, even stuff like that, that's a contribution to give kids the world. That's a donation. It's a donation of your time and it's absolutely needed. And of course, now we're excited for our second year of, uh, of DizCon, the, con- the convention we have coming up uh, September 30th, October 1st. We've got a bunch of celebrities joining us. I know Jody Benson is confirmed. I believe Jody Benson is confirmed. Um, I know we have a number of celebrities um, and some that we pretty sure we have, but we're not able to announce yet, but that raised an extraordinary amount of money last year for give kids the world. And I'm like, you know what? I'll put my back into as many efforts as is necessary, whether it's power of 10 or discon or doing, uh, doing marathon shows however many auctions they want me to, to do. I don't care how I get there. I just care that, that we get there uh, to that next million. And then the, mil- the million after that and the million after that, I have no intention of stopping. That's just so wonderful. And, you know, when you all announced that DizCon was going to be coming back, that was so great to me as a listener because I wasn't able to go last year. And then now it seems like it may become somewhat of a permanent fixture. And so maybe at some point we can plan a trip down there and it'd just be great because, again, the work that you're doing with Give Kids the World is just something to be really uh, celebrated. I mean, it's uh, the remarkable amount of money that you've helped raise. And uh, we are just grateful for that, for sure. Sure. You, need, you, you really need to go out of your way and come to this in September. It, I promise you, you will not regret it. Okay. It was, I've had a lot of experiences in the 25 years I've been doing this. That was special. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Why I'm getting emotional. No, that's okay. Uh-huh. You can be oh, talking that, about that. Give Kids the World. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, the, the the panel, like, we got to see some of the panel discussions and things like that that was shared out. And um, we've become really good friends. And actually, I'm going to be thanking him later on in this episode. We've become really good friends with John Sakari. And so seeing his yeah. uh, involvement with that, too, has just been so much fun. And your team does such a remarkable job on all of that. We are going to get into uh, DVC and things here in just a minute. But Vanessa, Pete mentioned earlier, uh, he gives opinions on his show and the truth on his show. So you have the next question where maybe we can uh, open a little bit of that up, right? Yes, yes. Well, and I'm very eager to hear what you have to say, Pete, because I've already watched you talk a little bit about the real business side of running Disney and and some of the tactics that they take in uh, creating people wanting to buy annual passes and Genie Plus and things like that. So I wanted to get your take on Disney's higher management at this time and and, and also, uh, I know that some park goers aren't always happy with some of those changes. So I'm wondering if you think that 
the expression of a maybe disappointment in any of the quality of service or experiences, if, if expressing that, if that will change anything for the Disney company, I feel like you have a really good understanding of their business. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on all of that. Well, it's a multifaceted answer, but I'll be as direct as I can. My take on upper management and, and I've got some friends in upper management is uh, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. I think we're living in what will be known as uh, the COVID cover era. Mm. They used COVID as an excuse to do things they've wanted to do for a very long time and couldn't get away with. And, you know, I just saw an article recently that said, oh, it looks like regular housekeeping has come back to the Grand Floridian because you could pay $800 a night and not get daily housekeeping. Where in the world is that okay other than Disney World? Where in the world would any, any, any hotelier dare pull crap stunt like that? Mm-hmm. And like it's 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 like newsworthy that housekeeping has come back. Um, and I wonder, is that just going to be at the deluxe level? Are they going to go to every other day or every three days? Um, I remember I stayed out at the Grand Californian back in July, and I was paying twelve hundred dollars a night for my room. And when I didn't have housekeeping, I know I'm going to sound like a complete Karen here, but <laughs> I didn't have housekeeping. I made myself known. Yeah. I, I, I have did to tell the you, whole, I want to speak to your manager. Sure. Well, it, it's a really, it's a really weird thing for us. Uh, we just, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but we just got back from Copper Creek. It was the first time that we had stayed in a DVC studio uh, because we purchased it basically not with DVC points. We didn't rent DVC points either, but we were there for, from a Saturday to a Saturday. And I think that they did a full house cleaning, uh, keeping one time. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the rest of the times it was just, you know, picking up trash and things like that. But, and, and they were pretty responsive to like, we need more towels and things but there were a couple of days there where it was like they weren't even dropping off towels and things and that is sort of remarkable when you think about the amount of money you're paying so i completely understand where you're coming from here but that's a dv that's a dvc thing and you're you're in a dvc unit that housekeeping schedule is different than it is on the hotel side had you been that's good to know lodge in the hotel portion then it's then it's different okay so that's the that's a DVC thing. But if you're not a DVC member, never go through Disney for that room. Never. You're overpaying on a, rent your points out. DVCrentalstore.com. Rent your points out. That is the that is the smartest or, or, or rent the points. That's the smartest way to do that. Okay. Um, and Lesson learned. It tips already so and <laughs> absolute no and i'm not kidding it can save you a lot of money it can save you a lot of money that's good to know brett you uh have a final question actually before we transition right into dvc so you want to get that and then we can start talking dvc even more well is it is it hard to keep your pixie dust or magic levels at an appropriate level and not become disillusioned by or, or cynical when creating such a constant high level of content. I know that when I've been in the parks, you know, even we've been doing this podcast for some time. And of course, I've talked Disney with friends for, I mean, forever and used to be a cast member. But anyway, but I'm like, when I do see like I was there for the anniversary and I've been on other times when I've seen content creators around. And when I think of just what we do, it, it kind of is uh it would be very, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to, to have that basically as a career or, or take so much of your time and still keep, we love Disney. And yes, we do see when things aren't exactly what we'd like them to be. And, and we need to be verbal about that. But how do you keep your pixie level up there? You know? Well, 
I'm from New Jersey. We don't have pixie dust. Okay. <laughs> um, we're we're from the Midwest, so we're you know we are. Very, you're you're you know, a happier. You're a yeah, happier. Yeah, we are. People. I don't know. It's in our this, soil yeah. and water yes. at this point. Yes. Yeah. It's in the corn. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. The last couple of years, it's been a challenge. It really has been. A lot of these changes being made. You know, my kinship is with the fan community. Those are my people. When I see my community being ignored, when I see our concerns and our feedback being ignored, when I see Disney executives roll their eyes at the mention of Disney fans, it's really easy for me to go off on a rant about something like things like that. And it makes it more challenging. I, I get uh, on, on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times a day, I'll get emails or direct messages on social media from people telling me some story about something that happened to them in the parks that was good and wonderful and uplifting. And it reminds me, there is still magic there. Uh, we were just in Olani with my family uh, the beginning of March. And, you know, when you do this for a living the way I do, it's easy for things to escape you. But when you have to plan a family trip and then you get to see the look on your family's faces, when they're experiencing this thing for the first time, I'm a huge DVC fan. I am a massive fan of Alani. If you want to remember what old Disney service was like, go to Disney Cruise Line or Alani. That reminded me of what the magic is and that it is still there. And I still can feel it, even though I've become an old jaded queen. Um, I can still, I can still get that bump. I can still get that bump. And I, and I do when I go to the parks, it's impossible for me to walk in to the magic kingdom without being flooded with memories Mm. and wonderful memories. The first time I ever saw my parents hold hands was in Epcot walking into Epcot was the first, Now they may have held hands in front of me before that. And I just never picked up on it, but that was the first time I can. So every time I walk into Epcot, walking towards Spaceship Earth. I remember my mom and dad walking in, holding hands and me thinking, God, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And so that helps, that helps me stay in touch with it. Also, I'll that, add too that I, I really appreciate, um, I was watching um, one of your videos the other day and just how you really encourage people to um, express their gratitude and just kindness towards those cast members who do oh. make it's special. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you have any other thoughts on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I just, I would ask everybody to think about how much these people get paid. And they're simply not paid enough to put up with your crap. <laughs> they're just not. I'm, I'm a fan of the phrase, be the change you want to see in the world. And if you want a nicer world, then you have to start by being nicer. And cast members are a great place to start. And it's not that, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, all Disney fans are horrible to cast members. No, no, nothing even close to the truth. What I'm wanting to do is challenge people to go out of their way. Go out of their way. What can you do just to make them smile? These people that work so hard trying to give you a magical experience. And, you know, in in the show that the last Tuesday show I did, I read an email I received from a cast member who worked in guest services and the way she was spoken to. And that's what kind of prompted me to want to say, listen, let's just let's let's do a thing here. Let's do a thing. Let's go out of our way, go out of our way, whether that's a larger tip, whether that is a kind word, a smile, a joke, some gesture, some small gesture. doesn't have to cost you anything. Smiles are free. 
that all you have to do is something like that could make a world of difference in someone's day could make a world of difference in someone's day. And I, you know, I'm friends with a number of cast members. They tell me the nightmare stories all the time, especially during the last two years when they had to enforce mask, mask mandates being spit on and punched and kicked and yelled at and demeaned and, and then uh, escort, escorted out of the park at some points. You know, like, like, you're no yes. longer welcome here. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, those are all great, great points. And I hope everyone listening takes that to heart that just being a little bit kinder to uh, to everyone, including those cast members, is so important. So, so now we're going to jump right into talking a bit about DVC because I'll tell you uh, transparency here. We just got back from our trip and actually our trip report for Beyond the Mouse is going to post next Friday. So you'll be able to hear all about the trip then. But it was just this like revelation to Anna and myself that we really do want to make sure that this becomes a yearly part of what we do because we had been taking kind of an every other year type of approach. But then of course the pandemic changed things. We hadn't been back in the parks since 2018 and we were able to experience so much at wilderness lodge and enjoying that kind of deluxe feel for the first time of course staying in the dvc side and so then on the way home anna and i got to talking we drove pete uh because flights were so expensive Mm -hmm. and so it was a nice 17 hour drive and i started to listen to an awful lot of the dvc show and so i do know that i should point listeners to the fact that you have a show that's dedicated to dvc we probably can't spend that much time on it today but you do have hours and hours and hours of content that people can go out there and listen to and it's really great uh to be able to to have that but i just want to know sort of big scott you know big picture ideas on what is it that you would tell someone who's considering purchasing DVC for the first time? These are the couple of things that I would tell you right off the bat that you ought to know about Disney Vacation Club before investing in it. Number one, first and foremost, do your research. Do your research. This is a real estate uh, transaction. Let's put the magic to the side for one second. You're buying, Mm -hmm. you're buying deeded real estate. So do your research, do your homework. Uh, That's why I created DVC fan. That's the website is dvcfan.com. The YouTube channel is youtube.com slash DVC fan. It's why I created that was to, you know, educate people on it because I, I'm a relatively new DVC member. I only joined what, two or three years ago. I have to collect things. I'm like, I'm a a hoarder. So I've been hoarding points, hoarding contracts. But if you are somebody who goes to Disney World annually, if you do an annual trip to Disney World, it is definitely financially better to do DVC because it is a hedge against inflation. The value of your points can't change. The value of that hotel room absolutely will go up. And so you're kind of locking in your point values for, you know, depending on the contract, 20 to 40 years. So, you know, but absolutely do your research because it's not something you want to knee jerk into. But, you know, also understand the difference between purchasing direct and purchasing resale. Most of my points are resale points you save a lot of money but there are there are drawbacks there are drawbacks so understanding all of that stuff um understanding what a use year is figuring out what your what resort you want to buy at although for me that doesn't matter very much i just buy the buy the contracts i want and i i so i can do trips like i did where i have you know, three hotel rooms at Alani for a week. Um, and now we're making that, a, we're making that an annual, an annual trip. We had such a good oh, time. Wow. wow. So, but that would be my, that would, that, that would be my advice. 
like the the major piece of advice vanessa though you had our next question on it yeah well you know pete craig they i don't know why i'm I'm enrolled in this mba program and suddenly i'm his financial guru and it's it's very undeserved but he came and asked me you know what would be some downsides to this the only thing i could think of to tell him was that a your your cash flow is going to be tied up with this and 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 are you sure you're going to want to go every single year so could you maybe elaborate on some of those downsides that you've kind of already alluded to things that he should be aware of before he jumps all in and and invests this this money in this well first let me just say that the cash flow issue if you don't use your points there is a robust market to rent out your points and right now i believe uh you can get eight eighteen dollars a point for your points so uh there's that the downside is the difference between resale and direct. So for example, there could be a price difference. Well, okay. Olani, if you buy Olani directly through Disney, it's $207 a point. If you, I, I think it's 207 on the resale market. It goes for 128. Mm. Um, so you take a look at that $80 a point difference, that's significant. That's a significant savings. The problem with resale contracts is those points can't be used at any of the new resorts like Riviera. Um, so, and if you buy a Riviera resale contract, you can only use those points there. You can't use them anywhere else. Uh, this was Disney's way of making resale less attractive. but. You also, as a resale member, if you're, if you're only resale, you don't get access to certain perks. So when they are selling annual passes, you don't get access to that perk as a resale. The, the DVC discount for annual passes, you don't get access to um, the Moonlight Magic, the special after-hours parties they throw in the park, things like that. You don't, you don't, get, you don't get that. You know, so those are some of the downsides. but the amount of money you save going resale, throw your own party. <laughs> throw your own party, right? <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so great. And we should add too that you mentioned earlier that um, housekeeping doesn't come as frequently. Is uh, wh- What's that? Yeah, situation? what is it? It's trash and towel service. Oh, gosh. I'm drawing a blank on, but it's trash and towel service every, I think it's every two days or three days. And then you'll get a full uh, house cleaning once a week. Um, so now you can pay. You can pay to have housekeeping. Mm. And don't ask me what that costs because I've <laughs> never done it. There are some, the, the, you know, there are some differences. You're not going to get daily housekeeping. Um, but spend, spend your vacation in a one-bedroom villa with a full kitchen. And then come back and talk to me. Yeah, great point. Great point. You know, I heard somebody on your show mention that, that you, we stayed at a studio and that was a fun experience. It's basically like a, uh, a normal standard hotel room with a kitchenette there. But I think it was one of the other co-hosts of the show mentioned that that door can be a billion dollar door that you have for a one bedroom, especially when you have children. So that's something also that's very uh, enticing to me from a uh, perspective of like, maybe we do want that time to where my wife and I can be up later and and hanging out as opposed to having to sort of sneak around the hotel room at night when you have children so that is something that maybe in our future hopefully i would i i'm at least for the next trip i think we're going to try out that for sure brett you had a question back to uh his trip to alani which you already kind of referred to well yes i mean we we haven't yet talked to our friend john um about uh alani but we plan to talk to him about it but Okay, you're saying that this is old school service and you're in the Aloha state, you're in Hawaii. What what is so appealing that uh, about Olani that makes you want to make that an annual trip well, for your family? Yeah, the Disney the Disney fan in me just connects with it, right? But then when you learn more about it, cuz Joe Rody, uh the Imagineer responsible for Animal Kingdom, 
um, Joe Rohde was the lead designer. And the big concern when they announced they were going to build this resort from the locals was that they were going to disney Hawaiian culture. And Joe Rohde took it as a personal mission to make sure that did not happen. So when I tell you that there is an authentic Hawaiian story in the light fixtures that are used, I mean, literally, that's not an exaggeration. The light fixtures are done with consideration. And when they finally finished it, a group of elders came and took a tour of the place and declared it the most authentic Hawaiian resort they had ever seen. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. That, when I talk about old school Disney, remember when Imagineering did that? Remember when attention to detail was important? Remember when we couldn't see the Tangle Tower from the Haunted Mansion? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Little things like that. Line of sight theming was important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all alive and well in Alani. And then you have the level of service. First of all, you have, you know, the Hawaiian people who are just nice. There's just no other way to describe them. These people are just nice. And so they bring that with that extra Disney flair into the service, you never want to leave. They also have the best damn coffee <laughs> at that resort. You know, you, yeah. and it's so funny because you know you get the coffee in the rooms at Disney resorts is atrocious, mm-hmm. but the coffee they serve at Alani, it's uh, Honolulu Coffee Company, the Makahiki blend. It was so good. Before I left Olani, I ordered two five-pound bags of beans to be delivered to the house, and I have it every single morning. Oh, wow. that's really that. good to know because I, um, you know, we do the Joffrey's thing, and they have an Olani blend, but it's good to know that they're actually using some other coffee because now I got to try that out. Because the I will say that the Joffrey's Olani is probably one of my favorites that they put out, but like, but this sounds great. Try Honolulu Coffee Company Makahiki blend. Try it and come back to me. You will okay. thank you will thank me. It is so good. Will do. Will do. So, you know, this is uh, Hawaii is one of those other things that to me makes DVC a bit more appealing because you can use your points towards something like going out to Alani. And that might be and for the kind of contract we'd be looking at might be something where it's uh, this is going to be our trip for two years or something like that. But going to Hawaii, the flights are expensive. Everything about that trip can be expensive. But the fact that you can use those points towards that makes it a bit more appealing to buy into something like DVC. Now, I know that there are times where you really shouldn't use your points, uh, things like the cruise line or maybe Adventures by Disney. They just aren't a good bargain. But Alani seems like it is a good value in using points. Is that accurate? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we were there this past March. I'm going back. I found that, like, you know, point values are a little lower in February. So because I have to get so many rooms, I'm going for the lower point values. But And it's not just the point values. I mean, the point values are really, really good at Alani. But the quality of the accommodations. We were in a three-bedroom grand villa. And they had to drag me out of that room. (laughs) That it it was absolutely. And again, I think about what I would have had to spend on that room, that room routinely goes for three or $4,000 a night. Wow. And I'm able to use my points. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I bought a ton of points back in December for Alani. And like when I say a ton of points, I mean, I bought a lot of points and I was wondering like, Oh, should I have done that? Should I have done that? Did that trip? Like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. That's great. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. 
I have one more DBC question um, from my perspective, and that is that we absolutely fell in love with Wilderness Lodge. And I know you mentioned before that maybe to you, your home resort isn't as important, but it is, you know, you do get to book basically at 11 months, you get to start using your points as opposed to the seven months that you would have if it's not your home resort. So there is a little bit um, more potential availability there. We were actually looking at, and I know that it's probably in need of some renovation. We stayed on the Copper Creek side, but I know Boulder Ridge can be a little less expensive, but I wondered if you were saying this is, uh, let's say someone was looking at 200 points as a as a contract, something that they could use basically like for a week or so uh, throughout the year. What might you suggest as far as a potential home resort? What would you pick if you were under that circumstance? Well, you know, the home resort matters if you're going to need the 11 month window. So if you normally like to be at the Polynesian over Christmas, Mm. yeah, you're going to need to book at the Polynesian. You need to buy at the Polynesian. Because you're going to need that 11 month window to get that, uh, get 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 those dates, uh, and even then it's going to be a challenge. But if that doesn't matter to you, go with the price that makes sense. Go with the price that makes sense, especially if you're looking on the resale market, because you can spend 200 and God. $250 a point now for Grand Californian, some ridiculous amount like that. Um, or you can spend, I think I was, like I was saying, $128, $130 a point on Alani. Um, your Alani points work just the same at Walt Disney World as they do at Alani. Um, it's just that you have a seven-month booking window if you're not booking at Alani. And for me, that booking window never really mattered too much. But then again, I live here. The way I use my points is different than I think a lot of people. I literally will just log on to member services and see what's available. And mm-hmm. Oh, look, I can grab a room for a couple of nights next week. Let me do that. Okay. Um, so my experience is a little bit different. But I think if having that 11-month window, having that 11-month window doesn't matter to you, um, Saratoga Springs is something you should look at. It's the best bang for your buck in terms of what you're going to spend uh, per point and what you're, because you got to remember, you also have dues you have to pay for every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> Saratoga Springs historically has the lowest dues um, because it's such an expansive resort. So the maintenance fees are divided up among all those owners. So your, your dues are a lot less. That's great. Uh, Brett, I know kind of leaving DVC now, you had one other experience you just had that you wanted to ask about. Uh, and then we're going to start to wrap this all up. Well, I, it could be a hot topic. And so I just kind of would get just your uh, initial thoughts. I just returned from Star Wars Galactic Star Cruise. Yep, we were the 10th group and the first to use our data pads, our actual own data pads. So I had a great time when people ask, was it worth it? I say yes. You know, it was, it was an amazing experience that I'm still kind of wrapping my head around and still having really nice dreams about. So that's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. But is, do you think that if it is, if it is successful, is this going to be the game changer that they were hoping it to be? Or is this just extremely niche and only for a limited number of fans that are either Disney or Star Wars or a combination of both? At this price point, it is virtually impossible for it to be a game changer. Um, Unless they are going to adapt this technology and this business model into something that is more, uh, readily accessible to the vast majority of of people um then most people aren't ever going to experience it because they can't possibly afford it and if they're going to spend that kind of money on something (laughs) right they're going to you know if they're going to spend that kind of money they're probably going to say oh let me go stay at the grand let me go stay at the polynesian um, you know, but only Disney could come up with a hotel experience that makes the Grand Floridian look like the All Stars, <laughs> um, price wise at least. So that, 
that to me, you know, this is part Star Cruiser is part of the overall move with Disney to price out certain group of people. Um, yes, it is their intention to do that. That is exactly what they want. Their biggest complaint, too many crowds. How do you how do you get rid of crowds? Oh yeah. You raise the price to the point where fewer people can afford it, but you're still making your money. So the reason why prices are going through the roof, the reason why there's a $2,000 a night cosplay experience at Galaxy's Edge is, is that. Yeah. Is that. That's what they want. They want you to say, I can't go because it's too expensive. That's actually what they've come to. And, and I, think, I, I guess yeah. there's, an argu- there's an argument to be made that that's smart business on one hand, but not great PR wise on no. accounts, especially right. um, well, their entire PR, their entire PR operation right now is a joke. I mm-hmm. it's so bad. It's so bad what they're doing and how many of this, this whole, uh, this whole thing with DeSantis and the don't say gay right. bill and how that was handled from the very beginning. This is a fortune 50 company for God's yeah. sakes. This is one of the, this is one of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. And they can't tie their shoes without falling <laughs> off the ball. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. this week, you know, this week when you're talking about Walt Disney world and, and if you're getting into politics, which Disney now is, and that's because uh, it's a business and they're not <laughs> the only business that, you know, gives uh, donations to political parties and such like that. But I'm like, wait, when, when the Florida government is talking about the Reedy Creek development and relooking and, re- and looking at that to see if they want to keep going with that, I'm like going, you, it's time to it's time to uh, use some of your political clout and your money and do something about it. That's a shot. That's just a shot across Disney's bow. I would be it's stunned. Not, it's not really happen. Okay, if that would still, actually happen, then they need to fight back. Clearly. And well, to do that requires better leadership. Than yeah, what hello. Have right now, oops. Yeah. Did we get to that unfortunate topic of uh, <laughs> who has yeah. no name or we wish you'd go away? Anyway, yeah. sorry. <clears throat> there are strong oh. feelings about the current head of. Oh, I, I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing yeah. for him. I got nothing <laughs> for him. Um, you know what? I can only hope the stock price is depressed when his contract comes up for renewal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because his well, contract comes up next February, I believe. Oh, good. Mm. Oh, that was the news. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving yeah. on then, but thank you for that. Yeah, I'm. When people ask me, I mean, I kind of after we did have five people in our room because <laughs> we'd had a little galactic sticker shock, but we <laughs> did have a we had a great time, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around that experience because it was very very boutique. We had an experience with the captain, which we will have in our own. Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Halcyon 5, as we call ourselves. We're going to have a wrap-up of that experience. And, I mean, we had we had a – there were just two of us that had, you know, a 10-minute conversation with the captain where she said, you need to go to – do you have this time in your schedule? Go do this. And it was us. In the, it was the three of us. I thought it was going to be a much larger group, but it was just the captain and my friend and me. And then two stormtroopers came in. So I'm like going the stage manager alone for that moment moment for two people was pretty exceptional mm. so that yeah. was pretty good it should be for the amount of money you're spending well <laughs> no. i was surprised i thought it'd be a meet and greet with 27 people in the captain but it was just us you know yeah so i, I was impressed by that that's what i'll tell you is that like i i am a huge star wars fan but i don't know if i can invest that type of money but if they build an avengers tower in new york city Sign me up for that, whatever that cost is. So, but we'll see where, where things go. Now we're going to start to wrap up. And actually, Pete, it's funny because you sort of did this on your Tuesday show a little bit, but we like to do some rapid fires at the end when we have guests on. And so Vanessa's going to take it from here. Yes. So Pete, these are called rapid fires, but you can take as much time with them as you'd like, or as little time with them as you'd like. Um, So we're just going to ask you a few of your favorites and we'll see what happens. Uh, Favorite Disney film? Right now, Encanto. 
Okay. Oh, it's so good in it. So good. It was breathtaking. I know. I know. It was. It really was. It's just an incredible film. Uh, favorite Disney park? We talking worldwide or worldwide? Worldwide, worldwide. wherever Tokyo you want. Tony Baxter took us around the Actually, world. So you can tell us wherever you'd like to go. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a toss up between Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. But oh, Tokyo yeah. best, uh, best Disney theme parks are run by a third party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times have you been out there? In, Only the once. Only once. Only okay. once. But uh, I was planning to go in 2020, and of course. Yeah. I'm waiting for Tokyo to open. I am waiting. I am waiting. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, favorite Disney attraction? Pirates of the Caribbean. You're in That's good company so with that Interesting, one. because so many Imagineers we've talked to have said pirates are where their passion began, and that's what took it off from there. So that's a, that's a great answer. Favorite Disney restaurant? And that changes right. from time to time. Right now? Yeah, no, it changes. It changes like the wind. Um, right now, I have to say... My heart belongs to Shula's, so it's not even a Disney restaurant over wow. at the Dolphin. It belongs to Shula's. Okay. I, I was going to say, someone point me in the right direction. I'm not familiar with this one. <laughs> You're not familiar with Shula's? I'm not, no. It's an incredible steakhouse over at the, the, at the Dolphin. We just did a review there a couple months ago, and I'll tell you, hands down, the best, the best steakhouse experience i've had in years wow 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 okay and that's that saying something yeah. I bet. yes okay all right then well favorite disney snack oh go with your heart disney <laughs> snack <laughs> quiet brett no See, i'm not a i'm not a big <laughs> i'm not a big snack guy okay. okay believe it or not i'm really not a big snack guy but if it's going to be anything, it's going to be churros from Disneyland. Oh, okay. Oh, good, good, good choice. That great choice. Good. Great choice. Sure, yes. Where do you stand on the Disney turkey leg? Yay or nay? I want to like it. <laughs> Thank you. That's right. Well, that's my Even gosh, if you that's don't a like it, answer. There's something like it. so. Answer. There's there's something so Henry the Eighth about it. Okay. Um. I mean, what do you do with that bone when you're done? You roll your hair up with it? I mean, <laughs> what do you do? Stick it through it your nose. It does it. Buried in, buried in a hole somewhere. We know. have had okay. such an ongoing debate between these two. Brett thinks the turkey leg needs to be jettisoned from the parks. Vanessa is pretty happy that they're there. So thanks for, for helping us out there. Yes, right in the middle. That was good. Honorable <laughs> answer for both of us. Not my, not my first rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is... This has been so wonderful, Pete. And it's great because I will tell you, and this is the part where I'll try not to get uh, too emotional here, but so many years ago, we didn't start going to Disney World uh, really until we were adults. And so we were coming back from a trip. I was on that buzz of like, this is just so uh, magical. And I wanted some of that magic to come back home with me. And so I'll tell you, I started listening to Diz Unplugged and WDW Radio. And between you and Lou, you, uh, the podcast creators really helped to keep that magic going for me. And Diz Unplugged in particular, because it was so relevant and the news was right there and you could kind of feel like you were a part of that table and a part of that round table. And so that's why four years ago or so, I started thinking like, well, you know, we've got this movie review podcast. I like Disney. Let's start doing something about Disney. And I'll tell you, Pete, you inspired this show in a way where we have now had the wonderful opportunities to talk to people like Alan Menken and Tony Baxter and Yvette Nicole Brown and Jody Benson. And I'm not just trying to name drop. I'm just saying that you were a major part of that. And uh, so very grateful to the fact that you came on today. And just to say thank you for your time and also just for everything that you've done for the fan community and continue to do. So just thank you to your whole team. Well, thank you. I, I, I genuinely appreciate that. And I've had a wonderful time. Uh, you guys are great. Um, and I really, That's very I, nice. 
really hope you'll invite me back because oh, this, wow. this has been a fantastic conversation. Come back, come back. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Well, we get to talk to your uh, well, your good friend, John Sakari very soon. And uh, it's funny because I was messaging with him and he's like, let me know how it goes right after. So <laughs> that's what I'll, I'll do for sure. But, yeah, but he thank said, you he so said, much. He, he said great things about you guys oh. and he certainly didn't undersell it. So. Oh, uh, that's so nice. Thank you. It was wonderful. Well, now, now the love fest begins, but hey, we love you. You're loving us now. Hey, we're, we're loving all of that. So There's love cool. everywhere. Hearts, right. hearts, hearts. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much to everybody for listening today. And I will point you to all of our social media channels. You can find us on Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram, also Beyond Mouse on Twitter. And then, of course, Beyond the Mouse Podcast on Facebook. And then really, I'd love to have you join us on Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals, which is the Facebook page where you can just interact with all of us and jump in and share some of the Disney news that we have uh, for sure. And then, of course, Pete, you have so many places they can come and find you. Can you tell us to make sure everybody knows exactly where to find Diz Unplugged and all the content that you do? Uh, YouTube.com slash Diz Unplugged is where the Diz Unplugged show lives. And then we have links there to all of our other channels, the Disney Dining Channel, Disney Vacation Club, Disney Cruise Line. I'm leaving things out, moving to Orlando, um, all, of our, all of our channels. Yes. That's excellent. And Thanks to uh, the Empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so for Beyond the Mouse, I am Craig. I'm Vanessa. I'm Brett. And I'm Pete. And we will see you real soon in the front row, hopefully walking right down the middle of Main Street USA while listening maybe to the Dibs Unplugged. I don't know. Sure. But thanks yes. again, Pete. This was great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 